Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Glimpses, the CFAT podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to one of my good friends, Reverend Dr. Kerry Aiken. He founded Global Servant Leaders in July of 2021 after three decades in ministry and 15 years as a missions pastor. He earned his Master's of Divinity from Asbury Theological Seminary in 1990 and his doctorate as a Bizon Scholar in Preaching and Leadership in 2017. With his dissertation focusing on making Christian leaders around the world healthy and more effective. In his travels to over 30 different countries, God has given him a call to pour into Christian leaders through helping them deepen their relationship with God and others. He is an amazing man, and I've had the opportunity to travel with him to Bolivia a few times and is just an absolute delight and really deep godly man. Um, I really enjoyed talking with him. We really resonated on several points and things that I've been really focusing in on. He as well has been teaching, and so it was just one of those God moments for me. And I'm glad to be able to share his testimony here and talk a little bit more about that. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, welcome, Carrie. We're glad to have you Thanks. here. Uh, we've uh, I've known you for a little bit. I think the first time I, I got to hang out with you was in Bolivia. That's right. That was, that was a good you time. You were a young man then. I was. I looked back <laughs> at that photo, and my face was hairless and my teeth crooked. So, <laughs> uh, But it was a good time, and I, I knew then when I was uh, got to meet you there, there was a lot of other folks and interns around that would mention your name and say a lot of good things about you, and I knew you were a person who wanted to get to know more. But So I'm glad to have this opportunity to sit down and talk with you today. Um, well, I would love if you could take some time and just kind of share a little bit of your testimony or uh, what God's done with your life and just kind of fill us in who you are a little bit, what God's done. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, it's great to get to spend some time with you. I've been blessed by CFAT over the years, and um, a lot of the good experiences I've had have been with different ministries, and CFAT's definitely been one that uh, has had an impact on my life. So it's great to come and share a little bit with you guys. So. So I'll, I'll start by saying this, um, and I, I want to be careful, you know, when not to start too far back, sure. but just to kind of give you some background. Um, you know, my ministry experience was not a traditional, grew up in a certain kind of church, um, did it, you know, went a certain path and ended up in ministry. Um, I My dad was in the Army, and so we moved around a lot, um, you know, that— uh, I, when I was in high school, I was really into football. That was my sport. And so my life was kind of focused on football and things not particularly school-oriented. Sure. And and so, you know, when what, I— What position did you play? I, I, well, I played—strangely enough, I played linebacker and offensive guard, which is— I yeah. was one of the smallest offensive guards <laughs> you'll ever meet. But, but I had really strong legs, so that there seemed to help. There so. you go. But but loved all of that, uh, you know, went out for walked on at a college team and played a couple of years and then injuries got me. But mm. all of my life was kind of from the time I was young, my parents were Christians and I had a real heart for God, but I never really meshed that well with the organized church. And so then there's a lot of different reasons for that. Part of that's probably moving around a lot. But sure. I can remember getting to high school and really just kind of rebelling against all of that. And so it was through that rebellion 
that I went through some pretty dark times, not good times. I remember being 18 years old, and I couldn't tell you why I thought this now. It, it's like a distant memory. But I thought to myself, I'm probably not going to live to be 21 years of age, um, which is not a good thing yeah. to think when you're 18. <laughs> and it wasn't because I was necessarily suicidal or anything like that. Yeah. I just was living a lifestyle that I thought, through an accident, through circumstances, mm. through, you mm. know, whatever, things weren't going to work out well for me. And so, um, you know, I, I had this Christian background and it was really my freshman year in college. Um, and a friend of mine now uh, was going up. I was in the football dorm and he was going to uh, ask one of the football players to come to, to an FCA meeting, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, he was up there waiting, and I knew he wasn't on the football team. So I'm like, hey, can I help you with something? And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm waiting for such and such. And I was thinking, what do you, what's that about? And he goes, oh, I'm going to invite him to FCA. And I kind of laughed because I knew the guy was as much a mess as I was. And <laughs> I thought I didn't think he'd be interested in that. And so we end up having this conversation. He invites me, and uh, through that experience, and, you know, just – just a glimpse how God's always looking for us, yeah. you know, that I had done all the wrong things. Um, I went to a college specifically to try to play football and to try to get away from all my friends because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew all those influences were kind of bringing me down. And so um, that night became kind of a changing point for me and kind of redirecting me towards God again. Um, it just so happens I went that night. And, you know, I was telling him my story about kind of the problems I was having hanging out with the crowd that I was. Yeah. And he said, yeah, you need some new friends. And uh, one of the new friends, he said, you know, introduced me to some guys and he said, hey, that girl over there, I used to be going out with her, but we're not going out anymore. But she's the kind of person you need to meet. You know, and I looked mm -hmm. across the room and she was very attractive. Sure. And I thought she is the kind of person I need to meet. <laughs> you know, I was so mature back yeah, then, yeah, you yeah. know. And so I met her, and uh, four years later, we got married. Wow. So that was kind of, you know, God did a turn in my spiritual life and my relational life all in one night yeah. that awesome. led to that. And so I, I give you all that background to say me going into ministry was kind of a byproduct of my own brokenness. Sure. You know, that I had really been broken as a person and, uh, you know, desperate in a lot of ways to get back to God because I knew him growing up as a kid and felt strongly about him. But like I said, didn't have these strong ties to the church. So FCA kind of became my college church mm -hmm. and, and had some different influences and role models during that time. And that led to a point, and this, this will kind of take us into the ministry years, where my senior year in college— I was praying in my dorm room. I, I I had this grand idea. I love sports and that kind of thing. I was going to be a parks and recreation director. Mm. You know, I can I can do recreation all year long. Yeah. What could be better than that? Yeah. You know. And so I'd gotten this degree, and you know, I was planning and looking for jobs and that kind of thing. And I was in my dorm room praying, and I heard God say, um, not inaudibly, but very clearly, I'm I'm calling you to be in ministry. Hmm. And I didn't really even know what that meant. You know, it's like in my mind, it was something like, you know, full-time ministry. And I'm like, well, what's that full-time yeah. ministry? And so I remember calling up Tracy, who's now my wife. And yeah. at this point, 
we either were about to get engaged or were engaged. I can't remember, but I called her up and we'd been talking about what we're going to do when we get done. We already had plans for a wedding. And uh, I said, hey, guess what? She goes, what? And I said, I've been called into full-time ministry. <laughs> and she goes, you have? And I go, yeah. And she goes, which this kind of, I could kind of see some of that coming. Sure. And I said, oh, okay, that's good. And she goes, but how do you know that, you, that you've been called into that, you know? And I remember clear as day, because this is word for word, I said, I don't know how I know, I just know. You know, and, and I see that, you know, for a lot of people I've talked to over the years, you know, God will work in your life in such a way that you don't know exactly how you know something, but sure. you know that God's telling you. Yeah, that's how it was very much for me. You know, I was, I spoke about it in one of our last podcasts, but it was, I just felt it was something I went to in prayer. You know, I always said, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Whatever you have for me, I'm open for it. And it was just, you know, weeks, months of prayer. Finally, I woke up with this piece like, oh, I, I feel like ministry is where I'm called. Yep. Then my pastor comes to me like, hey, Josiah, this is weird, but I really feel like ministry is what you're called to. I'm like, oh, awesome. Then my mom, unrelated, comes up, Josiah, this is weird. But it's like, okay, this is, thank you, God. Let's go. I know. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? God use, uses others, and he did the same thing in my life to kind of confirm this is a real deal. Yeah. Um, and I really, you know, I didn't feel like. You know, I've been in full-time ministry over 30 years now, and when people call me a pastor or minister, I kind of still look around the room like, oh, you mean me, you know, because yeah. um, the calling is clear and the mission is clear, but the feeling of being that, to me, I was just an ordinary guy, you yeah. know. And so I remember, you know, that calling came, and so I the first thing I did is— like, okay, how do I get ready for this? There is no FCA church. I can't be a pastor at an FCA. What am I called to do? And really my initial calling felt like this. I'd been doing some FCA talks at different high schools and that kind of thing. And I thought, I want to help people like me so that maybe they don't have to go through what I've been through the last couple of years. Because I was in a really dark place. Sure. I was doing so much better. And I was just so grateful and I thought, if I could just help other young people hmm. avoid that. And so that was initial calling. And, you know, I thought if I can get somewhere where I can work with young people, but I don't know the Bible as well as I should. I'm not sure. trained. And so what we ended up doing, you know, we graduated. Um, I moved to Henderson, Kentucky. I'd been going to Western Kentucky University up in okay. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Okay. And uh, go Hilltoppers. <laughs> and uh, so I was up in Henderson, Kentucky. I had gotten a job. My father-in-law was so proud. My first job, my job title was leisure specialist. Um, <laughs> and he's like, I thought that's kind of what you did anyway. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I actually did, I had two job offers. One was uh, for near Mammoth Caves up in Kentucky yeah, yeah. working for like recreation programs because sure. I had that degree. And then the other one was to work with mentally handicapped adults um, doing things to help their recreational life and their overall life be better. You know, you do yeah. set up programs for them. And I remember thinking, I don't have a clue how to do either one of these really, but it seems like Jesus would do more helping the poor people that, rather than the tourists, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up taking that job. She came up there, and I finally thought, I've, I've got to figure out how to do this ministry thing. And so we decided we'd take all our vacation that first year 
and visit seminaries mm. through, you know, that we could get in driving distance from, you know, yeah. eight, 10 hours away. Sure. And so we went to seminaries in Kentucky, um, uh, Virginia, uh, we went to Florida, Georgia, um, a number of uh, South Carolina and so uh, Tennessee. So we visited all these places and it's a long story. I won't share all that today, but the, sure. the short version is God once again was very specific and get, we had visited all these seminaries and I share these things with different people because I think it's neat to see how God works when you're looking for it. You yeah. know, a lot of times we get busy as like, well, where's mm. God? Mm. But I was really hungry at that time, yeah. and I was, you know, where are you in this? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? And I kept pursuing that, and we visited all of these places, and we got different no's for different reasons. Mm. Um, surprisingly, um, seminaries aren't all just about helping people be right for ministry. I mean, they think they are, yeah. but we found things from ones that were ultra conservative to ultra liberal, whatever that means to our listeners. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everything in between, some people that seem to be on the academic end of things, mm. some that seem to, you know, whatever you want to believe, we're okay mm. with that. And and we just wanted somewhere where I could get ready to help young people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so um, we had visited all these places. And the only one I didn't visit was a place called Asbury Seminary. Yeah. And the reason I didn't visit them is I'd sent out for catalogs, and for some reason they never sent me a catalog. And so I thought, well, they don't even care to send me a catalog, you know, obviously. <laughs> and so, you know, we had visited this other place in the area, and it was clear real quickly it wasn't the right place. Yeah. And we had about 30 minutes left and you know, before the end of the day. And we said, well, we're only about 30 minutes. Maybe we can run out there real quick and just check it out as long as we're here. And so I always remember, because it was one of those God moments, on the drive between there, we said, well, if we could find just the right place, what would it be like? And we were like, oh, you know, it'd be a Bible-believing place, mm. but not just about knowing the Word of God, but, you know, how do you live that out? Yeah. How do you use that in ministry? Yeah. And when we arrived on campus— there was this girl just standing there in the parking lot when we got up, and she said, can we help you with anything? And we were like, oh, here's why we're here. And she goes, oh, my dad's the dean of students. What can I tell you? And so we said, well, can you tell us what this is like? And she started telling us, and we both looked at each other because she said almost word for word mm. our entire conversation in that ride. Wow. And uh, we went into a little prayer chapel. Within 30 minutes, we decided that's where we'd go. And that's, you know, you as you hear my story, that's a lot of, you know, God was faithful to me in spite of myself. He was looking out for me, not not because I was something special or doing anything great, but I think mainly because I wanted him, you know. Yeah. And I think too often we we tend to distance ourselves from God because we don't feel worthy or yeah. we, you know, whatever it is, we don't feel gifted, we don't feel whatever. Yeah. And God just says, I'm just looking for people who want me, you know. Yeah. And so that was cool. I went to Asbury, and that was kind of a cool experience. There's a song I love by The Collection. It's an older one. Not, not a lot of folks know it, but Dirt, uh, the name of it. And I'm always reminded, like, it goes through all the, the these, you know, giants in the Bible. 
and talking about all their downfalls and all the things that they have done wrong. And then still the, at the very end, it, it, you know, it's kind of down and very soft. And then right at the end, it's, but look at how God used these people, you know, right from, you know, just here we are, you know, walking mud balls. And yet here's how God can use us to do great things. Um, anyways, just reminded of that. No, that's, that's exactly right. You know, cause, and I shared all that with you to get to where I'm, I'm getting ready for ministry because I remember if there's somebody listening who, for whatever reason, doesn't feel worthy or they're struggling with, you know, do I have the gifts for this? Mm. Um, I, I'm a story of the least likely. Yeah. Um, when I went into ministry, um, and this is a couple of years later, I'm skipping forward a little bit. Okay. Um, I had two great fears when I first went into ministry. Um, one was public speaking, okay. not a good one. That's a pretty common one, though. But yeah, uh, it very is, much one. but, but, but not good when you're planning on doing this. <laughs> you, you need that one for yes. this line of work. And and the second one was flying in a plane. I had this. <laughs> I had not flown as a kid except one time. Oh, that's surprising to me. Well, it, it is because you know, as you know, yeah, I do global missions yeah. and for years, and now I've started my own ministry, traveling around the world. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I remember literally getting on a plane when Tracy and I were engaged. Mm -hmm. I was going, my dad's in the army. I was going to Virginia to visit them and I had just bought the engagement ring. Yeah. And I was on the plane and it's like I hadn't flown since I was little. Sure. And I was petrified. I mean, I, mm -hmm. you know, all I could picture is the plane going down and it was a really rough flight and the plane wasn't real smooth. So that didn't help. And I literally... <laughs> This is when you're young and not real smart. I got out the engagement ring and I started showing it to people on the because I thought this will distract me and God won't kill me oh, while I'm showing him this ring. And I was telling him about what I was going to do. And oh, I remember getting to Virginia and showing it to him. And I was like, I'm not sure I can go back, you know, and they're yeah. like, why? And I'm like, I don't like flying. And, <laughs> and it took me several years, um, you know, fast forward to where God was calling me into missions where I had to say, Lord, I'll, I'll be fearful every time I fly for the rest of my life. That's what, but please, please. Mm. And he really took it away from me. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm awesome. the one on the plane now we're bouncing around and people are kind of looking and I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And so once again, the kind of things God can do, yeah. you know, I was an unlikely candidate, you know, when I got to uh, Asbury and went to seminary, I felt even more incompetent because there was all these guys walking around and young ladies, too, uh, that were smarter than me mm -hmm. um, that I thought, like, did you go to some preacher school when you were in high school or something? Because they all seem like little preacher pastor mm -hmm. people, you know, mm -hmm. and they had the right jargon and they yeah. asked the right questions and they seemed really intense. And I thought, I'm just a guy, you know, and I feel called. I know I'm called. But I don't seem to act like they do or think. And that wasn't all of them. There were some other people like me. But it just seemed like so many of them. It's like you're 20 something and you seem like you're 40 something, you know. And I just remember being very intimidated by that. And the culmination of that was my last year in seminary. I was finally starting. OK, I, I've made some friends. I fit in here. God's going to use me. And I had gone through this preaching class. Mm -hmm. And in the preaching class, they teach you all the right things to say and do. And they were good educational things, but it didn't really tell you the relational part of speaking. And that's really all I'd known. I'd done yeah. like jock talks to, you know, youth groups and sure. stuff like that. 
And, and so I tried to, you know, so hard I was going to, we try so hard to do just what God wants us to do rather than listening to God. And so I was trying to do everything that I'd learned in this class and I was preaching and I, I got an A. I, got, I thought, well, I figured it out. And so I remember right after that, I was supposed to preach at this little church I was helping out at. And uh, so I got I had to prepare and I prepared it just the way, put all the notes in there. And I remember I couldn't sleep the night before because I was just scared to death. It's like, oh, my gosh, because there's this older congregation. There were oh, some yeah. professors from the seminary, yeah. you know, all these people I respected. And I got up there. And I don't even really remember preaching the sermon. Wow. Like I hadn't had much sleep. Yeah. And I remember just staring at my notes and like reading off the note. But then, you know, I was trying to do it like in there, I'd write things like hand motion here. And, and so I'd be preaching and I'd go, and God loves us. Oh, that's right. Hand motion. And then I, uh, they can't see me on, on the podcast, but yeah. I'd be waving my hand out there, you know, and, and I got done. And to be honest with you, I really, it was like I blacked out. Yeah. I, I didn't even remember what it was like. And I remember seeing, uh, there was one of the professors who was there who was walking up and I thought, oh good, somebody, he's going to say something to me, you know, and this will be good. And, uh, he walked up and I said, hi, Dr. Manoya, how are you? Good, good, Carrie. Um, fine Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, it is. I said, so how, how, how do you think it went? And I, I swear this is once again, pretty much word for word because it was seared in my mind. He said, you know, son, there's a lot of things you could do in ministry besides preach. <laughs> and I went, oh, gosh, you know, that's, that's a heartbreaker. <laughs> and so honestly, it, you know, it, it seems funny now. Yeah. But it took me about two years to get over that. Yeah. You know, I just thought, well, what is a preacher that can't preach? Yeah. You know, you're, well, that's nothing. And I'm like, God, why did you call me? Mm. And to be honest with you, you know, once again, if somebody's listening and they're feeling like you're not competent for what you're supposed to be doing, um, there are certain skills. Like if I didn't have a good singing voice, I'm not going to one day wake up and have a good singing. You know, it could happen by a miracle, but but, most times that's not going to be the case, you know, but there are certain gifts and, and, you know, most of those are related to relationships that God can develop. And what I didn't know is I was just the right person for the ministry he was calling me to. I just had to go through all the bumps and bruises Mm. to get there. Mm. And so I started learning who I was and who I wasn't and how to do what I learned in seminary with what I was gifted to do in relationships. And then I began to see things, you know, kind of turn around. And I went from somebody who couldn't preach, couldn't fly, couldn't speak, you know, to somebody that God was actually using um, in a relational. It wasn't that all of a sudden I was this magnificent preacher, but people could sense the sincerity and the experience that God had given me. And they, they, you know, grew through it yeah. and I grew through it. So awesome. that was kind of how it all got started. <laughs> I had a very similar story to that. Um, I remember I felt called in 11th grade to, and the words that went with that, that, that I spoke of earlier was that I was to, to speak in some capacity. Um, and I felt that here at CFAT. So I remember like, you know, working with my mentors, helping with our youth program, everything I was doing was working towards getting better at that. Uh-huh. And I remember my first speaking arrangement was at our Baptist campus ministry at uh, Southern Union and uh, college there. And I had all my friends and I'm inviting them over. I'm like, I, this is it. I got it. 
and I've never bombed so hard in my life. <laughs> Same, this read off my notes, and I was I mixed around in my notes, and I'm bad dyslexic already, so I was already just, oh my gosh, where am I at? And I got done. I was just like, I maybe this, maybe I I heard that wrong. I don't I don't know if this was it, but again, yep. it was it was the journey. And for me, the biggest, and, and my grandmother has pointed this out to me so many times, and I, and it's been very encouraging to me. It's you know, ultimately, it, it's it's God working through us, and it is Him who's given us these gifts. And when we, I felt so confident going in, I was relying on my, you know, like I got this, and looking to me, and then I kind of ended up right. building all this and left Him out of the equation. Yep. So it was it was one of those things that, uh, like you said, it, it was a journey, and I had to learn that and had to get to that point. Yeah, I, I've discovered over the years. You know, sometimes people have very visible gifts early on and you know it's clear oh they're the speaker they're the you know musician they're the whatever and god can use those but um for many of those people that ultimately becomes a liability if they rely on that yeah because it's you know i I remember after 20 years of preaching i kind of knew what would motivate people and what wouldn't sure you know and it and i had to kind of have a rebirth in my preaching and going, no, I started out with God. I learned mm, how to do good. it with him and I need to stay with that. If I ever become gifted at preaching or gifted at communicating, then I'm going to be me and not him, you yeah. know, and that's mm. not what we're called mm. to do. So that was an important lesson uh, along the way is as, as I, you know, I've, I've been kind of sharing some of the ups and downs because sure. that's that's kind of my story. Yeah. Um, and I think most people, you know, yeah. when I share in different places, I find, you know, I think, well, most people got it together and I just had lots of ups and downs. And <laughs> you start sharing, you go, no, that's most yeah. people's journey. Yeah. And people are longing for somebody to be real and just name yeah. it and go, yeah. yeah, we're except for the grace of God, we're all kind of a mess, you know. There you go. And so that was kind of getting into ministry. You know, I, I went into student ministry and did it for about four years in Nashville. Very powerful ministry. Um, I'll share one thing about that. You know, I, I went to a small Methodist church and mm-hmm. had a small youth group, and we grew it to a medium-sized youth group, and that was good and all. But the one mistake that, like, all these years later, I regret, um, I built such good relationships with those kids, and it was a really good time with ministry. They really grew. Some of our leaders grew. Um, what I didn't know then that I had to learn over time is how important it is to get people to own their faith for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I left that youth ministry after four years and I came to Georgia, um, where where I am now. And when I left, um, you know, I just said, hey, love you guys. You know, keep living the faith. And I realized years later, it took me several years at the next youth ministry as I was learning, I really hadn't given them a tools to have a faith for their own. You know, I mean, I'd say read your Bible or pray yeah. or whatever, yeah. but I really hadn't helped them to understand things are going to go right and things are going to go wrong. You know, influence are going to come in your life that are positive. You're going to have really negative influences. And if you're not intentional and faithful And so, you know, one of the biggest regrets after years, some of my leaders, as well as some of my kids, I saw them really kind of fall away in their faith. And I'm thankful that a number of them hung with it or came back to it. Um, Actually, some of the ones that were less mature then became more mature later, which is always wild to see. But some of them that were like youth group leaders, you know, kind of made a mess of their lives. And I'm, I'm praying and hoping 
things get turned around, sure. but they've just made a lot of decisions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, God's always reminding me that whatever I'm doing in ministry, whatever I'm doing in life, um, that if I can't teach other people how to do that, or at least impart to them, this is, you know, walk with me, you know, learn and then do it on your own. Yeah. You know, um, that's so important for people to be able to own their own faith. Um, because I felt like when I left, I kind of took my faith with me mm. and they were like, Oh, well, yeah, as long as Carrie was there to tell us what to do, we mm. were good. Mm. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, it, it's at the end of the day, you know, I realize it's God, yeah. you know, and so yeah. he can do beyond that. But I think if I'd given him a better foundation, they had a much better chance of sure. of doing better. Sure. One thing that's been big on my heart with, I've been working with some youth lately, and the big thing we've been focusing on is the, because um, you have that, we can look at the theological, and this is important, and we need to know this side of it. Right. And we have the moral yep. side of it, and this is important, and we need to know rights and wrongs, yes. But the, the such a big part that I see so many struggle with, and all of us, if we're being honest, is that walking in it and living it, and yep. how does that look? And that exactly. is, what's, is what's so important, and, and really getting that right early on. You know, that's where the money's at, and being able— if you're wanting to live it, if you're wanting to look in more and more like Jesus, you know, we the one phrase I've been loving hearing is, you know, being a, an apprentice to Jesus, you know, and looking uh -huh. more like that. I, I love that idea. And so that is, you know, continuing to stay with him and stay rooted with him and continue to look like him more and more each day. But uh, so moving from there, though, yeah. so, uh, where where's the next step? You know, the, the carry that I know, you're how does this continue on to you going overseas? And I'm hearing all yeah. the stories. So, so I'm sharing all this, you know, I started out in student and it, it really is um, neat to see how God, because um, since then I've been involved in ministries that talk a lot about God's vision. Sure. And, you know, I felt like God gave me a vision early on. And the funny thing is God's vision, we may just see in part. Yeah. And so like when I, I, I came up with this plan, like, yeah. Because I always heard you're supposed to plan ahead. Mm -hmm. So I, I had a plan. Sure. I was going into youth ministry, and I thought most youth ministers last five, ten years, and then they do something else. Well, I'm going to do it for 20 years, so I really become an expert. And then I'm going to get a, a, a go back and get my doctorate in mm -hmm. working with young people. And then I'm going to teach for 20 years, and that's going to be my life. I, like, I had it all mapped out wow. for yeah. 40 years yeah. till retirement almost, yeah. you know, 40, 50 years. And that was, you know, and I thought that was it. And then while I was doing all of that, I led a couple of contemporary worship services mm -hmm. and that seemed to get some traction. And so I said, oh, well, that's, you know, God really wants me to be a leader of a lot of young people, you know. Sure. And so I started going that route, you know. But what I discovered as I look back now is each one of those were building blocks yeah. that, uh, you know, some of it is I had to learn. Yeah. Um, I'll share with you. So I, I went to the next church. Okay. And where was this at? This is in Marietta, Georgia. Okay. It was a, a large church, one of the larger ones in that area. Sure. And uh, we had one of the larger youth, you know, we were kind of the ministry, youth ministry in our little area. Yeah. Um, you know, in this little segment of our town. Now, how and, old were you roughly at this point? Let's see. I would have been in my young thirties, okay. I guess. Okay. You know, some somewhere around there, because we had our first child when our late twenties, and we he was like three and four when we got there. Okay. And so I'm in my young thirties, and things are going well. 
Okay. I mean, all of us, you know, I'm coming into my own, the gifts are kicking in, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, all those fears, I still at this point didn't like flying. I still hadn't <laughs> overcome that one yet, but I hadn't really had to. Sure. And so I'm I'm doing the youth ministry. Another friend of mine brought me there. We did it together. He left and then I became in charge. They started a contemporary worship service. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day this large church um, had uh, there was the sanctuary and then they had a, another worship center that was contemporary and then they had a youth building over here mm-hmm. and i was in charge of the contemporary wor- youth building sure and the worship center the young adult worship center and there was a glass walkway between the two mm-hmm. and i i remember this now at the time it wasn't significant to me but now it is i was walking between the two and i remember looking over at the youth center and then looking over at the worship center and kind of thinking, this is my domain. You know, this is this, look what I've done. Yeah. I didn't think that literally, sure. but that's what I was feeling. Sure, I was like, look at me. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't even preach, and here I am in charge mm. of all this, and, mm. you know, I've arrived. You yeah. know? Well, the, the, the ending to that story is that this church was going through some denominational struggles, and within a year of that moment, that church split. Mm. And most of the youth in the youth group left, mm. like three fourths. Wow! And uh, half to three fourths of the people in the worship service left. Wow! And most of the people that left were people that were my friends and the people mm. that I was associating with. Yeah. And most of the people that were left that I was left with, I really was at odds with as far as our, our issues that were going on. Sure. And so about a year after this moment of pride, God gave me the greatest moment of humility, which now I look back as a, a pivotal moment in my ministry because yeah. I'd started in 1990 and this was right around 99, 2000. So about 10 years into my ministry. And I'll never forget my wife um, came to me one evening and she said, do you think there's any chance we could get out of ministry? You know, you could do something else. Mm. And she was, you know, she was a teacher, but, you know, we did stuff together. And I said, why do you say that? And she goes, because I just see what I, this is in the middle of this whole split. I see what you're going through, and it's it's just too painful to watch. You know, friends had left. You know, people that were there were looking at me and saying things about me. I mean, it was just the worst. Mm. I, I remember thinking one time, there's not a day in this month where I hadn't felt kicked in the gut some way. Sure. And it was just this negative after negative. And, and I just, and so I went and prayed again, you know, in a way when you're hurting, how you pray real, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I'm like, okay, God, where are you? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and is this not the, was I wrong? Yeah. You know, did I get confused all those years ago? And it didn't feel like when I was in my dorm room, but it's like, I'm calling you. No, this is, this is a lifetime for you. And I went back to her and I said, I don't know the answer to all these problems, but God said, Nope, you don't, you don't get to bail. And she said, that's good. I'm good with that. I just needed to know. Yeah. And, and see what she was sensing is there was an awful lot of carry and not a whole lot of God going on at that Mm. time in my life. Mm. And I and that, you know, God broke me. He didn't cause that to happen. But boy, did he use it in yeah, my life. Yeah. And so That's within uh, I was there about seven months. Uh, he, he released me from the church. 
I mean, it was as clear as my calling. It's like, you can, you've done all that I've asked you to do. I left. He provided another opportunity for another church in the area where I was doing young adults and doing um, singles ministry, kind of working with young people, particularly college students. Yeah. And what a blessing. Um, it, it, you know, God knows it was a healing church. Sure. They had a lot of broken people there. And guess what? They realized I was healing. Um, they would say, hey, if you need to go to a counselor, we'll pay for that. Just whatever you need, take care of yourself because you're only going to be healthy. And that's the first time I learned that pastors get to take care of themselves wow. too. Yeah. You know, so often you see people in ministry, it's like, Burned well, you got out. it together. Yeah. You're, you're supposed yeah. to help other people. And I was really pretty broken. And mm. so I spent about almost three years there and God really did it. So to get to the mission part. Sure. Um, no rush. No, no, no. To get to the mission part while I was there, I'm very thankful to both the senior pastor and the associate there, which good friends of mine still today. Awesome. And uh, they really helped me heal there. They gave me a platform to do some good ministry. Um, God was really beginning to work. And while I was going through that whole experience, um, we, I, I would had a heart for missions. Uh, I'll back up to say I had to, we started doing some mission trips when I was at the last church, and that required me to get on a plane. <laughs> and that yeah. was when I was I was getting ready to go. It was the first time I'd flown across the Atlantic, mm. and I got God. I can barely do this for. I'd flown to like San Diego sure. and Chicago for youth conferences, and I'm like. I can't fly across the ocean. You know, we get over there. There's no coming back. And I was getting ready to get on the plane. And God said, if you're going to do this, we're going to take care of it. And the fear just, you know, I felt Mm. better on the flight. On the way back, I was like, what happened? I mean, it, it, you know, it doesn't always work that way. As a matter of fact, in my life, it hasn't usually worked that way. Yeah. But in that, for instance, because he knew what I needed, he literally just took it away. And it's like it was there one day and then it was gone, you know. And so I was at this new church. And, and I that said, was the turning point from that point. From forward. that point, I never had a fear of flying again from, from that day, from that tra- trip over the Atlantic. From then on, yeah. it was like, oh, I can't wait to fly. I love it. It's beautiful <laughs> up there. It was it was dramatic. Not excited about the food, but we're we're fine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, I eat just about anything, so I even like the food on oh, the plane. You, go. you know, there so you go. so so I say all that to say I'd gotten this taste of missions um, when I was in my first church. We'd done some like Appalachian service projects. I really sure. like that kind of stuff. Yeah. When I was at this church, we did some overseas mission, and I was like, I really loved getting in different cultures and different things. And so when I was working with these college students and singles, I was like, we're not doing a whole, they were a great community church. They did all kinds of things, but they didn't do a whole lot overseas. And there was this guy by the name of Steve Bell, who was their missions guy. And I went to him and I said, Hey, can we do something mission like, you know, mm-hmm. with like, I want to go international. And he was all pumped up because that's his thing. Sure. And so we ended up doing this kind of a strange trip, but it was to Spain You don't typically think of mission projects to Spain, but there was a church in Spain that was affiliated with this church that was doing outreach to what were called Reef Berbers. And Reef Berbers were an unreached people group coming out of Morocco. And so they would come out of northern Africa across that little rock of Gibraltar into Spain, and they would, you know, migrate there. 
much the same way Mexicans would migrate into the U.S., yeah, yeah. not in the same numbers, mind sure, you, but sure. that kind of thing. Yeah. And so th- they were reaching out. And that was my first real, like, getting to witness to people. And yeah. um, and we actually went into Morocco, which was, uh, you know, a Muslim state. Yeah. You know, it was Islamic by yeah. politics, yeah. you know. And so that just blew a whole door open for me. And so when I went on that, I thought um, it wasn't that I didn't think the ministry we were doing back home was just as valuable, mm-hmm. but I just saw people that were so hungry. Sure. Um, so I'll fast forward. I left North Star. Yeah. And then I came to uh, th- this uh, church that was on the other side of Marietta. I was in okay. Marietta. I moved from what was the one big Methodist church. Yeah. To the other side of town where the other big Methodist church okay, was. The okay. two, two biggest Methodist churches sure. in the area, sure. both several thousand people, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, they wanted me to do a contemporary service. Okay. And so I came over there and I'm like, okay, that now I know. You know, I kept doing this thing w- once again for- I figured it out. Yeah. yeah, for our listeners, you know, that, that that's the journey with God a lot of times. Like, now I know. And so, you know, I was going to be this big contemporary pastor. It went out really well at the beginning. And then there was just a lot of stuff going on where it's like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I remember within a couple of years going, I think it's time to to figure out what the next thing is. Sure. And uh, they had somebody there doing missions. And uh, here's how God comes full circle. When I was doing ministry with the guy at the other church, he had a real heart for missions. He had left the church to go do mission work. And he was working in, in Ghana, Africa. And uh, when I was at this new church all these years later, he had a relationship with that church. And they invited me to come do a mission trip with him at that That's church. Awesome. That was the first one I did when I got there was with my old youth minister friend from like by that time it was about eight, nine years later or something. Yeah. And so we did that together and I began to open up and go, oh, God has something bigger in mind. Mm. You know, he has something, you know, more in mind for me. You know, I want to be recognized, you know, in some big way. But God's really concerned about people in lost places and little villages and, you know, people that don't know God or the people that are hungry for God but don't have much research. I just felt more like the gospel to me. Sure. And once again, yeah, it didn't definitely. take anything away from all the great things that were going on. But it just stirred, you know, the way God wired me growing yeah. up in a military family. I was born in Germany. We'd moved around to different places. And I just thought I love you know, either introducing people to Jesus or helping people who are hungry for Jesus that don't have the opportunities we have, you know? And so that's where that whole mission thing came. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that really got going. And so I actually changed from being the contemporary worship pastor. I was the first full-time mission pastor at that church. And so I was at that church for 17 years And, uh, you know, once again, God is so good because at the same time I came on board as the missions pastor, the senior pastor, unrelated to me, said, I think our church has become too inward focused. We're doing everything for us. We need to be more outreach focused. We really want to go global. Mm -hmm. 
And then all of a sudden he turned like, you're our guy. <laughs> and so, um, I, you know, I just got to be a part of a, kind of the next several years of movement into missions yeah. through our church and see a lot of exciting things happen. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So tell us a little bit then um, about that time in life then. How, how does that look? How did that look for you? How did that start and how did that progress? What are some of the places you've been and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, God, God has once again given me opportunities. Um, you know, one of the, the first one, which really sealed the deal for me, which made the change. I went to Uganda in 2007, mm-hmm. and I was teaching a leadership conference there through a friend of mine, um, International Leadership Institute, and they teach the eight core values of Christian leadership. Yeah. And here, here's, here's how God works once again, at least in my life. Um we were supposed to meet a team from Kenya over there and they were leading the conference. This was my first time doing this. And I was going to teach one or two or three sessions during a whole week long. Yeah. Well, we show up and the team that's supposed to be there has missed their flight. Um, and we're there with the Ugandan leaders and they go, we need to begin. You will start. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I didn't prepare for that. He goes, oh, you'll be fine. Go. And I said, um, can I look? O- oh, yeah, we'll give you time to look over it. How long do I have? Fifteen minutes. So, <laughs> so I remember going back to my room, looking over this material, going, what in the world you know, am I going to do? And I just started looking at these biblical values that they had. And I said, well, that's what the first session's about. So I'll just kind of share about it, you know? Sure. And I felt like that guy all those years ago, you know, when I didn't know what I was doing and I was kind of like, okay, it says this, you know, I I was a little more adept at that point, but I wasn't very um, amazing in my delivery (laughs) to say that, you know, because I didn't really know the material and it says this and I kind of read a lot and I shared it. But, I, you know, when I saw something that I liked, first value is intimacy with God and, I, Mm. you know, how important it is to have a close relationship with God. And the last value is integrity. Intimacy brings God into your life. Integrity keeps God in your yeah. life, you know? And so I'm sharing these things. And as I'm sharing them, I'm kind of getting into it because I, and I get done and they're like, yes. And they all start standing and applauding. And I knew, I knew that my delivery was not, you know, it wasn't like I knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And I thought, what is this? And I thought, these people are hungry for God wow. in a way that wow. that I'm not. Yeah. And all week long, I kept thinking, they, I came here to help them, yeah. and they have something I don't have. Yeah. And that was 2007. Uh, that was the switch flip mm. where I went from, I'm kind of interested in this, I like this kind of stuff, to this is where God's called me. And so from that point, jump forward a couple of times, um, 2010, I went to Venezuela. Um, They had invited me to teach at their seminary. I didn't have a doctorate. Didn't, you know, they didn't know I wasn't smart enough to teach. So they they invited (laughs) me. And that was really the turning point for me, Um, 2010 in Venezuela. And uh, as I was with that group, uh, I was teaching all week long, and I, I may have shared this story with y'all's team before. Yeah. And so, uh, to make a long story fairly short, <laughs> um, the last day 
the bishop from Venezuela came in. This was a Methodist seminary because that was my background. Yeah. And he came in and I thought, oh, that's great. He came to thank the American, you know, honor me for coming and speaking in there. He didn't even know I was there. Mm. You know, he, he, I was nobody to him. Mm. But he came in and he said, well, we've had some, you know, as you know, Venezuela is kind of a, you know, volatile place yeah. right now. And there's um, some things breaking out in the city. Um, a young person was killed. Their people are rioting. We don't know what's going to happen. It's not going to be safe for you to travel tonight. Um, and so we're going to have prayer and then we're going to leave and go home. Mm. And so I thought, oh, wow, I didn't sign. That wasn't in the brochure. I didn't sign up for, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. a riot in the city. And, yeah. you know, who knows what's going to happen here. And so long story short, they went into this prayer meeting and it was like two or three hours long. I had never, I'd been in some cool prayer meetings from that time yeah. in Africa and other places where they pray in ways we don't pray. Yeah. But I mean, laying flat out on the, crying out for their country, standing on chairs. And it wasn't, it wasn't the way they were doing it. It was the heart in yeah. which they were doing, yeah. you know, it was very, very authentic, yeah. you know? And I was like, I don't pray this way. Mm. Um, and I didn't mean I wouldn't do any of that. It's just, I didn't understand yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And I was just so moved once again, it, just like back in 2007, it did something in me. And I went, oh, this is what Jesus looks like when he's full on. You know, this is what, when God, you know, it's like here their country is falling and they're crying out, not for themselves and their safety. They're crying out that Jesus would win Venezuela to, to you know, know him, mm. you know, and, and it was just this amazing time. And so the end of that story is we ended the prayer meeting. And I was just kind of sitting there going, wow. And everybody left. And I was staying on a house on the campus. And there was a guy there who was uh, kept the grounds and kind of ran things. And he was in another building with his wife. And we were the only people on, everybody had gone home. And I'm there that night and I'm hearing people outside in the streets. And, you know, I, I smell like burning tires. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, is somebody going to jump the fence? And, you know, here I am for all these spiritual reasons. And I'm like, I'm a little fearful. I think I'll pray. Mm. And so I started praying and just, you know, lifting it before God. And once again, just just like way back, you know, in my dorm room, just like in 2007 in Uganda, in that room in Venezuela, all by myself, God spoke to me. Mm. And, uh, and and we haven't really talked about it, but I started a new ministry about a year, year and a half ago. And in that room, I didn't have any clue what I was going to be doing. But he said, um, you're going to start a ministry someday. And I'm like, cool, that's great. And like, And I'm like, I'm doing ministry. No, no, I have something set aside for you. Mm. And once again, I was kind of like, I'm probably not the right guy. And he goes, yeah, I know that. That's why I chose you. <laughs> um, that's usually how I do things. Yeah. And he goes, and it's going to be called Global Servant Leaders. Mm. Strange, like, why, you know, because I guess I'd been seeing these things all over the world. And it's like, it's really about these humble servants. But for whatever reason, like, just as, as much as if it was audible, yeah. those words came to me. Yeah. I literally wrote them down. I, said, I wrote down on a piece of paper, Global Servant. Okay, I had no idea with, when that was going to happen, what that was going to look like. Yeah. But, you know, there I was. Sure. So so the, the end of that story, well, here I'll add a little humor to it. Go for it. Um, 
I feel silly about this now, but as I'm sitting there, I had nothing else to do. Um, and I had a great internet connection cause it was a seminary campus. Nowhere in Venezuela was there a great seminary yeah. <laughs> con- except a few places. And this was one of them. Sure. And so in my mind, they got, okay, I'm going to start this ministry. I'm going to need a website. Well, I looked down and I thought that of all the things you could have been doing, praying, you know, <laughs> laying out on your, no. And so I went on a web, you know, domain search thing. Yeah. And I thought, well, there's no way that that's pretty common. I put global servant leaders and I, I, and it popped up and it said it was available. Yeah. And I took the church credit card. I had to pay them back. Yeah. I took the church credit card and I reserved that domain name. Yeah. And in Barquisimeto, Venezuela, wow. that night. And that domain name stayed a domain name with an annual subscription. Yeah. From that year until I actually started the website a year and a half ago. Wow. And so for all those years, it was like someday, someday. <laughs> that is awesome. And, and yeah, so, I mean, like I say, I, I feel it. kind of, I, love it. I feel kind of foolish now, but it was kind of like my stake in the sand yeah. that it's like, it, it. I, I, you know, I've got a website, I got to do something, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that it. was the beginning of the vision. I absolutely love it. Awesome. Okay. So <laughs> you were, you were in the middle of that. You were, and you you poured into that for some time. Then, so let's let's bring it closer to where we are today. Then, yeah. Um, you were br- talking about this ministry. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So, global servant leaders, you know, and, and um, you know, I I felt the call to do it, and once again, I didn't feel that competent. God opened up a door for me to go back to seminary to do research for it. And really kind of identify not research like just academic, but, you know, field research where you're talking to leaders in different places mm. and kind of put together what really could help these lead. What are the most significant things? What are the things that are missing that they need and was really able to do that? And so I did that from 2014 to 2017. And so I got done. And I, I, I did what I always do. I started coming up with my plan yeah. instead of God. You know, it's like it's for God, but it's yeah. kind of I came up with this. Well, I'll incorporate it into the ministry that I'm doing yeah. at my church, you know, and that just wasn't working. There wasn't time to do it. Um, there was different things going on at our church. And as God does things full circle, our church was going through, you know, all these years later, Now we're talking almost uh, 2019, um, there's all this chaos going on in our church. And so I came up with my plan, and my plan was simply this. Um, I'm going to take my own church, and then I can launch it from there. And that, that, you know, I'll be in charge so I can make the... So I met with some of my trusted leaders, began praying about that, say, we're going to I'm finally going to do this thing. It's 2017. I'm done with school. It's 2018, 2009. Well, were you ever going to do this? Pre-COVID, I didn't know all that was coming. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, I go to some one of my trusted friends who all these years earlier had kind of pulled me in as a leader. And I told him about my vision and what, what I was going to do. God's going to have me do this. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you do whatever God's telling you to do. But if I were you, I wouldn't do that. Mm. And I was like, you wouldn't do the ministry? And he goes, no, no, no. I, that's I, You're right on the mark. That's what they need. 
He goes, I wouldn't take the church. Mm. And I said, well, that's a great idea. But like we do annual appointments and the appointments are up in like three months and I, I don't have a income, I don't, yeah. you know, without a church, I've got no livelihood and there's not time to do anything. Yeah. And he goes, well, I'm not telling you anything. I'm just saying if you really are all in, then you're going to have to be all in. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you do this from a church, it's going to take you years and, and he paid me the compliment of saying, you're not a young guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All the thanks so much. Appreciate yeah, you yeah. pointing that out. <laughs> you know, you're not a young guy. And so if you don't go all in, it, it just isn't going to happen the way, you know, I, I'm just telling you from experience. I'm not yeah. telling you God told me this. Yeah. So I, I went to my wife and I said, this is what he said. And my wife is usually the let's take care of the home front. Let's be cautious. Let's be smart. And she's like. Yeah, I agree with him. Wow. And I went, okay, that doesn't happen often. Yeah. So I went to three of my trusted friends and I said, uh, this is what God, you know, told, this is what God told, this is what I think God may be telling me. This is what my friend said. This is what my wife said. What do you think? And the three friends went to said, um, we agree with that thinking and if you start this, we'll help you. We'll help you get, mm. we'll be your board and mm. we'll, you know, get you through, through the first few months so yeah. you can survive till you get something together. And so basically in about three or four months, we put this together. Um, I had no, I didn't have a curriculum. I didn't have, you know, any locations I was going. I just had the vision. And so we took three or four months and God put it together and we launched it in July of, yeah. a year ago. And what is that vision? So what we've been talking about all this stuff. Um, Global Servant Leaders really has a vision to help Christian leaders be mentored in such a way that they'd be more effective for the kingdom of God. What, what I did all those years when I was teaching leadership, what would happen is we'd teach like intimacy with God. And, and I would finish the week and I would be like, okay, I'm getting ready to get on a plane. And somebody would come up to me. And they would say something like, this has been really good this week. Um, intimacy with God, integrity, some of the other topics, really, now what do I do? And I always felt like, I was like, good luck. You know, and, and the mission that they were doing, this organization, was doing it incredible. They've reached over 300,000 leaders around the globe. Just doing, They were doing what they were called to do. But what I saw is some of these deep needs you know, they really had to figure out, they had a basic outline to how to do that for themselves. And I, the, the vision was, what if we could help them deepen their relationship with God in such a way that we give them tools? We open a tool. We don't just say, here's the main ingredients. We give them some tools and then we continue to follow up with them until they become patterns and habits in their life. So it's not like this conference was here we put the conference book on the shelf and I want to get to that, but you're so busy, you never really get to. Mm. And so the vision was, you know, that we're helping these leaders who are such a great example of faithfulness to God, you know, have a deeper faith than I often have, mm. giving them the tools to really be spiritually full because the thing, and we've been talking about that with you at CFAT, you know, that God wants us to do ministry from overflow yeah. And usually we're doing ministry from emptiness. Yeah. 
it's it's not that God isn't pouring into us. It's just we're pouring out so much more than he's pouring into us. Mm. And as a result of that, you know, so many of these leaders are given to God with their whole heart and they're genuine. But God's saying, no, 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 no. Make me first. Make this relationship first. And here, we're going to give you some people to help you do that. Because so often these ministries are so stretched, they're, they don't really have the resources to do all of that in addition to whatever their ministry is, yeah. that, whether it's a church or a parachurch or whatever it is. And so that really became our call is to help these leaders yeah. become healthy and help the leaders of leaders to become healthy and then begin to affect the church in different parts of the world so that God, once again, uh, it's never that he wasn't first in their minds, but that he becomes first in their hearts and their daily habits in such a way that they develop what we call a way of life. Yeah. Where, you know, how they live for God isn't about the spiritual things they do, but it's what they do all day yeah. long. It's a way of life. You're practicing the way of Jesus there. Yeah. That's yep, it. I love exactly. It. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. I love it. So with that, um, I've heard a lot of this language uh, recently, and I've been really just, I've been on fire for it. I've been loving it. Um, You know, how can we live this out more and more? Um, What are some, and I know you, you, this is a whole program that you're going through. (laughs) And so this is a, a, a tough question going into it, I know, but what what are some of the, the, the big points then? How, how can we begin to live with that overflow? How can we begin to start doing that in a nutshell? Yeah. And and here's the crazy thing. And, you know, when I first, I remember getting on the plane, the first training I did overseas was in India. Yeah. And I remember once again, you know, those old fears creep back and I was on the plane over there and I, I was looking over the material and I was thinking to myself, there's nothing here that they don't already know. Yeah. I'm going to get over there and they're going to go, we, we have you coming here to teach us this. Yeah. Um, you know, I had some tools that maybe they hadn't heard of, but sure. it was the same scriptures they already knew. Mm. And I remember thinking, you know, why God? What, you know, are, are they going to kind of go, okay? But I was blown away by how much they were drawn to it and how much it was like a breath of fresh air because most of us have who've been doing ministry for a while get our head in the ministry and we forget how the heart for ministry is where we started and where we need to stay. And so essentially, you know, we'd be getting to together with them and saying it starts with your relationship with God. That has to be number one. Absolutely. If you don't do anything else, you do the relationship. Yeah. And most of them were trying to fit the relationship into everything else they had to do, often from early in the morning to late at night. I mean, they were feeding hungry people. They were helping people in all these difficult situations. Mm. So to me, that sounds like, and, and, and language I've heard with this recently, is that's just taking time to build that relationship. And how I've seen that played out the best for me is really respecting the Sabbath in a way that I could rest and spend time with God, taking that intentional time to let me be with Him. I don't, this doesn't be a, need to be a time that I'm pouring in so much with others. I can do this with others, but this needs to be a restful way for me to spend time with Him and be intentional with that. Right. So would you, I mean, agreeing with that or, uh, or what else goes into Yeah, I, I would say, I would say the Sabbath is where it all begins. Sure. Because God intended 
you know, the Sabbath is more for us than yeah. it is for him. He, Definitely. you know, he, yeah. he doesn't need rest, yeah. you know, but he needs us to rest. So we'll be renewed and restored. And so being intentional about that Sabbath, but like I said before, what, what we try to encourage people is in two things, um, a way of life. And yeah. so like, if this is what you do on the Sabbath, what does your life look like all week long? Sure. And so we get them on the last day or so of a, to write out a pattern, not to be legalistic. It's just the mm-hmm. opposite of that. What's going to help you to do what you want to do? What's yeah. going to make your life? What things do you need to be doing, but also what things do you need to be thinking? Mm-hmm. What things do you need to be patterning your life so it keeps focusing on the right things and you keep doing the right things? And then we call something, you know, it's just spiritual practices, but we call it holy habits. There you go. You know, what are the holy habits that that aren't monotonous, but that breathe life into you? Mm. And so that's kind of the tools that we give them is get these holy habits, create this way of life, have this renewal of the Sabbath. And all of a sudden you're doing ministry out of a relationship with God and not other things. I think you also, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier today, um, too, talking about the writings of, um, what was it, uh, Brother... Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence, right? Same yeah. thing there, like, how can I do the little things? I'm washing dishes. This is just as much of a holy moment right now doing this, spending time with God, yeah. as it is with me taking the holy sacrament, you know? Yeah, I think it it's... Is, I think that's spot on with what he was saying. Practice the presence of God is yeah. something, you know, he's got a book, and... Brother Lawrence was really obscure. He was this obscure monk hundreds and hundreds of years ago that nobody would really even know because he had no profound effect. Um, Isn't it ironic that people discovered his writings and based on how he lived, they said, this is really what it looks like. And so hundreds of years later, uh, some obscure monk is teaching many of us yeah. how to live our Christian life the way the scriptures teach. Yeah. Because what he did that was so unique um, that shouldn't have been yeah. is he said, oh, I read this in the Bible. You know, I'm the one thing. You're the one thing, God. And he made him that. And it's like, you're supposed to be your Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be with me throughout the day. Mm. And so he began to l- l- be intentional about what that looks like as yeah. I live it out. And yeah. that's. That's what really began to start a movement. Um, now, I've, been, I've shared some with y'all about a book I've been reading um, by Eugene Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Mm-hmm. And what uh, Eugene Peterson says is he's seen in a recent generation a movement towards that. Mm-hmm. But what he also says in his book, and this book was written 25, 30 years ago, sure. he says, I see a lot of people saying they're serious about that. But they really aren't. Mm. And and you're going, what do you mean? They're, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like they're talking about it, but they haven't made it the pattern of their life. Yeah. They haven't put that in first priority. Mm. And, and really what he equates it to is slowing down. Yeah. Like we're yes. in American culture. We're so driven, you know, that we're slowing down, not to be lazy, not to do less, but we're slowing down with God so that we have a motivation that's not coming from us. We have an energy and an excitement and a passion that's built on what God's doing in us rather than trying to drum it up so we can please others around us. Mm. Gosh, I wish I could remember the quote. Now there was, uh, never, I'll, I'll find it later. It doesn't okay. matter. I'm not going to, it's too far out there for me to grab. Um, Give uh, me the idea. Um, that I believe it was, 
trying to remember now exactly who I thought said it. Um, I'm not so far gone with it. Um, who are we just talking? Name is slipping my mind now that we're recording. Brother Lawrence, not brother, the, Eugene Peterson. Um, I was talking about. Um, <laughs> I was talking about uh, John Mark Comer and how he a lot of his stuff was inspired by. Yeah. Um, or he a lot of reading by um, Dallas Willard. Dallas, Dallas Willard. Willard. Yes. Quote. I think it was a Dallas Willard quote. Uh, uh-huh. Something along the lines of, um, with spiritual formation and like some of the. What are some of the early steps or things that we really need to to do? And it was, you know, talking about like that slowing down and talking about that spending intentional time yep. with him and how that's the, the rush and the hurry of all of this is what was, you know, such a, a problem in, in a lot of yep. this. So I think that is that is I'm loving hearing you say it because yeah. I've been hearing so much of this. Well, this has been so much on my and, heart lately and hearing you say it again. And I'll, awesome. I'll put it to you when I when I'm teaching one of the things that I keep reinforcing over and over again. It's like, well, you know, a lot of people go, why? Why do you I mean, I get put inside time, but for God, but why so slow? You mm. know, and, and this whole idea uh, of, you know, a long obedience in the same direction you absorb things slowly. Mm. You know, we think that the answer to successful ministry is more information. Mm. And, and the real key to ministry, according to Scripture, not according to me, is the important things learned in very deep ways. And mm. so to do that, we have to absorb, you know, over and over again the same things so they become part of us, that now we're doing we're not being Christian. We are Christian because yeah. Christ is in us. Yeah. You know, that we're we're becoming. I think Rich Mullins called it little Christs. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. That you know that that's just who we are now because we're always thinking about Him and, and we're taking time to reflect. Yeah. And I think that's what the ancient fathers and mothers are bringing back to this generation: mm. the the idea of meditation, not mm. in Eastern ways. Yeah but meditating upon God so that we think what it really means to be holy, what it really means to live for him, what it means to treat our brother and our sister as ourselves, those kind of things. Yeah, I think it, it does this generation, and I, or I say so much with the church, I feel like we get into that, that knowledge side of it and actually going out and walking in it is just such an important thing that we really feel like if I can get this new piece of information, this is going to be life changing, but there's all this that we're not living out, right? All this that we're not walking in. If you're not doing the two or three important things, then all those other things aren't going to work. There's not going to be this revelations that's going to come and change. All, well, hope, I mean, they might be, you know, God will work through it and he'll do incredible things. Yeah. But we need to begin to start, what do, let me walk in this and i think what you're saying is spot on taking time to slow down that's when we can evaluate our lives and see where am i missing this where am i missing the mark um our cultures is one of such go 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 that you know we, we can brag about how much time we look at how much overtime i you know, right I work this week and all this i stuff. work 60 plus hours it's like this how week. is that healthy that's not yeah. healthy <laughs> I, I heard a podcast the other day that talked about sleep is one of the greatest spiritual things that you'll ever wow. do. Yeah. And that getting the right amount of sleep puts your mind in the right space to be able to absorb things, to be mm. able to have healthy emotions and not overreact or underreact mm. to things. And, you know, we don't think of that, but that's that's kind of the idea behind Sabbath. You yeah. know, there's certain patterns God created woven to us of a certain amount of rest a day a week and mm-hmm. a certain amount of rest every evening yeah. so that we can be prepared to serve him in the way 
that he helps us to. And that's, you know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we often talk about his presence, mm. but a lot of times we forget about his power mm. and simply the idea that, you know, I, I used to say this, we do confirmation with kids yeah, and this, <laughs> there's probably all kind of theological holes in it, but it made the point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd say, what's your favorite sport? And they'd say, uh, basketball. And I go, okay, uh, I know this is going to sound really weird, but what if LeBron James could get into your body? Yeah. How good a basketball player would you be? Yeah. You know, and they'd go, oh, I'd be phenomenal. Yeah. You know, he's just not coaching you now. He's in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's what the Holy Ooh. Spirit promises us. Yeah, he's not just going to be there to coach us. Yeah. That's that good. it's ag- And it's like, ministry is going to be so much better when we're freed from how am I going to do this? Mm. How am I going to pull this off to God? We're in, your spirit in me is how we're going to do this because yeah. you're the best part. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm the helper. Yeah. You're the main part. Yeah. And it's a, a shift in mindset. And that's why you can be so, um, uh, giving with your time to God, because he's the one who's going to, mm. once you're full with him, that energy, that passion isn't come from your own resources, but it's coming from his abundant resources. Mm. I love it. I love it. You know, that's how you, you started off with us and what you did with us, you know, pouring into that glass, you know, have the the container of water pouring into the cup, yeah. it's the overflow that we're... we're yeah, and, and for those who didn't hear it, you know, I think I shared that a little, you yeah. know, there's... A, we're the vessel, yeah. you know, and then God, the Holy Spirit pours into us and we should be doing it once the cup's overflowing, not when the cup's half full. Yeah. Um, and we keep depleting ourselves. I love it. I love it. Well, we, we've talked a lot and you know, I feel like I could talk another two, three hours with you. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. Uh, but we'll have to continue this conversation another yeah, time. We're we'll wrapping we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up, but I want to give you some time. Uh, you got a lot going on. You have your ministry, you have your own podcast that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about that and how people could, uh, find some of that information. Get yeah, in with you. we're, we're, we're uh, in a little pause between seasons right now, but we have a, a podcast called the clay jars micro podcast Mm. um and the whole idea behind it global servant leaders does this as a resource it's kind of different it's not uh it's conversational but what i've been doing is meeting with different christian leaders usually through zoom is the Mm. easiest way when i'm not there and we'll just have a conversation about a scripture passage um, that has to do with servant leadership and get insights from people you know we've done india and kenya and Romania already, and we're doing some others. We've done some here in the U.S. Um, and just getting different insights uh, through different Christian leaders about what God sees real leadership to look like. You know, when it talks about I am the jar, you are the clay, yeah. you know, th- those kind of, you know, I- idea that, that uh, you know, he's pouring into us, that it's his power what does that mean? And it's great to hear when you hear it from Africa or India, yeah. you'll hear a different perspective or a different twist. Yeah. And so those podcasts have been what we're actually doing. them. We're glad for people in the U.S. to listen to them. Sure. But we're doing it as a resource so that when we do training out there wow, and we so go good. back, we go, hey, here's some things you can listen to after we're gone. That's they're so going to feed those those ideas. And we intentionally did ours unlike um, our conversation in usually 10 or 15 minutes yeah. because what we know so often people are, don't have much time yeah. and you know um, it's great. I listen to some podcasts every week, but I can't listen to two or three hour long podcasts yeah. every week. Yeah. 
uh, usually. And so I'll choose one of them this sure. week and then I'll yeah. miss a few and I'll choose another one. And so by doing these 10 or 15, we're going, you can take 15 minutes and then when we get back on a Zoom call, that's one of the things we do with our leaders, mm. then you can, you know, we can discuss what you heard. We can hear your questions. And so it just gives us a way to interact with them through global servant leaders. And mm. so, so the ministry is really built around, you know, the central idea of a deep relationship with God. And we didn't have much time. We can talk about this next time. Yeah. Talk about a deep relationship with others. Yeah. What does that look like? And how do we become, how does that become primary in our life? Yeah. Um, it's a professor in seminary put it to me this way. We are human beings, not human doings. Mm, um, and what good. he was saying is who we are supposed to be for Christ is more important than what we do. What we do should come out of who we are. If we're doing stuff, but we're not the right person, we're not filled with God, then it's not going to ultimately result in the right thing. And I've seen so many of these leaders wanting more of God, wanting uh, to have these you know, ways of being closer to God, but feeling um, their leadership, their culture, um, whatever it is around them, doesn't really give them permission to do that. And so we're, by working with key leadership, you know, you can get that key leader to go, hey, guys, I'm encouraging you to do this now. Not yeah. Now no longer am I saying just do more stuff for me yeah. in our ministry. I'm saying do this first and then we'll do great stuff together. Yeah. And so, that you know, by starting with that, you know, as each ministry, you know, one little ministry at a time yeah. starts having that in their DNA. Who Who are we? We're people who are in relationship with God. We're people who are authentic in relationship with others. That's it. And now we're doing ministry that, that communicates that in everything we do. Mm. So that's kind of a, 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 a picture in a nutshell of what we're trying to, to help yeah. in our small way. You yeah. know, I hope there's hundreds of other people doing the same kind of thing we're doing. Yeah. But part of the reason I started it, I started asking around and most people would go, well, that's the gap we hadn't figured out how to fill. Yeah. You know how, to, and it's like, well, if they don't have time, if we can help them to do what they want to do, ministry is going to get healthier. And so that's yeah. really our prayer for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for coming out and talking absolutely. To this. this was a load of fun, and I want to do it again sometime. Um, well, if you have, and if you don't have anything else, I feel like we're at, we're at a good stopping point. I, I'm good. You know, just want to once again say I want to encourage. CFAT, um, you know, who we're doing this with. Yeah. So thankful. Uh, there, I could have told a lot of stories about have. CFAT over <laughs> the years, including the one you were on yeah. with us, you know, about how God's really worked through those ministries. I, I just want to be sure and communicate. I'm not trying to say, you know, everybody else is doing it right, wrong and we've got the right way to do it. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we, one of the things we say is global servant leaders isn't trying to be the ministry or, or even a ministry. Sure. We're trying to help ministries to be strong and yeah. healthy and effective. Yeah. And so, you know, if nobody knows who we are, that's okay. Sure. And we're not really interested in that. But our heart is to see people who are out in the trenches like CFAT yeah. doing so much, you know, become more, become all that they want to be. And mm -hmm. so I'm just thankful 
to be able to be here and encourage you guys when you've invited me to come talk with you and mm-hmm. to talk with you today. If somebody hears this and says, I want to hear more about that, they can, we've got a website and they can reach out to us and yeah. we'd be happy to and help them. And what is them. that website again? So it's www.simplyglobalservantleaders.org. That name is uh, however many years yep. since 2010 or 11, whenever that was, until uh, now, um, it's been there. But if you went there, there was nothing there <laughs> till about a year ago. There and so if they go there now, there's a way you can just connect with us and we'd be happy to, to see how we could help their ministry. All right. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I Like I said, I had a blast. That was a blessing. And I hope it was for all of you guys listening as well. Well, thank you again. Hope you have a good one. Hope all of you do as well. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Glimpses. We hope you've enjoyed it and it was meaningful to you. If you're enjoying this, then you can really help us out. We want to be able to tweak this and make this the best version of Glimpses it can be. And we can do that with your help, with you giving us feedback on what we're doing, what we can do to make this better, things that you would prefer. For example, for this episode, and we've had a few longer episodes and shorter ones, would you prefer we break these down into part ones and part two, or do you enjoy having the whole thing there in one thing? Let us know. We can do whatever the mass is like. As well, we ask if you enjoyed this, send it to a friend. Uh, Get one of your favorite episodes and share it with folks. That's how we can continue to make this grow and to reach more people. We have a lot of plans of people who are wanting to talk to graduates and different um, people from all over. We're excited with what the future has in store for glimpses, and we're excited to have you along for the ride. So I hope you have a blessed day, and we see you back next Friday.